hear a bird already. It's nice background noise, though. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ann Faison, and this is Are We There Yet? Understanding Adolescent Grief. I've been wanting to get these two on the podcast for a while, so I'm really grateful that they both were able to take some time out during their busy week before finals. And my guests today are Scott Spason, who's been on the podcast before, and Sean Dillon, both of whom are students, seniors at LOXA, LA County High School for the Arts. And any other introductions I need to add to you guys? I think we're good. I think, yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you both for being here. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. (laughs) So we're going to talk about grief as it's related to being trans or non-binary. When I think about grief, it's really usually associated with some kind of loss. There's a kind of a saccharine quality to that word, loss. It's like, sorry for your loss. But there's this writer named Catherine Schultz who wrote a really cool memoir called Lost and Found. And she really goes into that word loss and why we associate it or why we use it when we're talking about death as it relates to grief and how when somebody dies, often we do feel lost, you know, and that there's this kind of abstract equality to death that makes us feel lost. And it is really as if that person is just lost. And then she also talks about finding so much in that loss. She actually, the memoir is about her dad dying and her meeting her partner at the same time. So she's falling in love and grieving, pre-grieving her dad's death all at once. So it's kind of about lost and found how we can have kind of grief and joy all in one space or one time. So that really made me think about you guys and your experience of, you know, whatever kind of loss is associated with being trans, but also there's this gain, right? So, yeah, I guess I'll just start with whoever wants to go first. How you think about loss in terms of your growing up and being trans? For me, transitioning has been a really amazing experience. And starting my transition was really amazing. And I felt like I was finding so much more about myself. And, like, it was just an incredible experience and very positive. But I think that for a lot of my family... I think that a lot of my family had to go through a process of grieving before they could, before we could like resettle into a family again. Mm -hmm. And it was really difficult, especially for my mom, because when I came out to her, in a way I was shattering all the expectations she had for me, having given birth to a girl, raised a girl, and expected to like plan my plan baby showers for me expecting to help me pick out my white dress all those things and i think i think it's really interesting the way that in transition i i could only really see everything i was gaining and i had done so much thinking before i decided to come out that i had kind of become a whole different person without even without even telling my parents um or without my family really seeing I think my dad saw some of it because I was living with him at the time. It was mostly during quarantine, which gave me a lot of time to think and reflect and decide who I wanted to be, what kind of person I wanted to become. Mm. And I think, especially because I was not living with my mom at the time, 
and I still don't. She was completely blindsided by my calling her and saying, hello, guess what? Um, I have a new name now. Uh, I'm no longer your daughter, and you're going to have to deal with that. And so it was kind of like I like replaced the sun with the moon or something, and now she, mm. or and then she had to come to terms with it, and she wasn't really ready for it. Yeah. So in a sense, I do think it was kind of like, I wouldn't say the death of her child, but like the death of the child she expected, which was really scary for her at least. Yeah. Yeah. And what about for you personally? Did you find, did you feel any kind of loss around that change or not? I don't think so. I, I was experiencing a lot of pain and I think pain around dysphoria and pain around not feeling comfortable in my body and not really knowing what direction I wanted to go in. But understanding that I could be in control of my own identity was euphoric and it allowed me to just like break through all of the things that I didn't like about myself otherwise apart from being a girl. Mm. And I didn't really notice very much loss until until I started coming out to my family members because I didn't really consider Yeah. <laughs> I did think about before I came out how my family would react, but I didn't think about what they were losing mm. when I was gaining so much. Right. So And when you say family members you mean also like extended family. Yeah, I think yeah. it was mostly my immediate family and my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And aunts and uncles and cousins. Well, yeah. I guess that is my kind of family. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I think I was I was mostly worried about my immediate family, first cousins, grandparents, so on. But I definitely had family members on my mom's side who probably would not have accepted me. Like, my mom's dad, my grandpa, was religious and his religion was very important to him. Yeah. He did pass away about a year before I came out, I want to say. Mm. But he was somebody I did consider anyways when I was coming out and like if he would have chosen to keep me and his family Mm. it turned out that my mom's brother did have a problem with me transitioning and I actually haven't heard from him in like at least two years I think it might have been three years since I came out Mm. but I I haven't heard from him since we sent a Christmas card to him with my new name on it Mm. so that's a loss yeah yeah What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think because I haven't really dealt with as much of, like, family not approving, I think that I have kind of a different perception of um, loss and stuff with transitioning because my immediate family has been entirely accepting and I don't see most of my extended family that much, so... It's less of, like, thinking about how other people perceive me and more about how I personally experience my transition. And I think that beauty has been a big part of it because I think that being raised a girl, your beauty is, like, so important. And it's, like, the most valuable thing you can be as a woman is beautiful, sort of. Sort of, yeah. So, I mean, not actually, but, like, societally. Sure. So, I think that there was a lot of fear around transitioning for me. Because it was like, this is a part of my 
identity that is so that holds so much value I like what if I'm not pretty anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) what if I am not like desirable anymore like all those things but I mean it just ended up being that like I can still be pretty (laughs) and but I think like with medically transitioning and, and like starting testosterone and being perceived more often as male it's like less attention from like straight men or feeling a little bit more invisible Hmm. which is a bit of a loss it's also a bit of a gain you know yeah it sounds like what you're saying is your identity as kind of a pretty girl yeah you know yeah Yeah, and I think that I, I never really um felt connected to femininity as like womanhood as like my gender being female I think that as a girl I kind of I kind of latched on to the different parts of it of beauty of like different parts of that personality mm-hmm. and so letting go of being a girl is easy because I never was one but letting go of being a pretty girl <laughs> or being a cool girl or being an interesting like girl like it's different and it's it's hard that's fascinating i see you nodding your head yeah <laughs> it was sort of the opposite experience for me as a girl understanding how people saw me i was known as a tomboy at my elementary school and i i always wore like cargo pants orange t-shirts heelys that sort of thing and like i was mostly friends with guys i mostly didn't really care about my experience my um appearance and I have like several stories of people mistaking me for a boy and being really really happy about it (laughs) and then I I didn't realize until why or I didn't realize until later why so it always made you feel good it made me feel good and I don't want to say it's because I was always a boy like deep down because Mm. well that is some people's experience I personally don't have a very strong sense of like gender like like it's some kind of soul. I I don't feel like it's something I had to uncover that was hiding under under the leaves or something. It's more that I am whatever I happen to be and the way that I'm most comfortable presenting that to other people is in a somewhat neutral but still masculine sense. Mm. Because I think trying to define like how I actually am inside is kind of impossible and mm-hmm. I'm perfectly comfortable at least for now playing the character of male I guess mm-hmm. yeah what you were saying it was sort of the opposite for you oh yeah like I cut my hair short in seventh grade which is two years before I realized I was trans <laughs> wow um there were so many things that looking back now I can totally tell were like my attempts at defining myself but mm-hmm. at the time I had kind of just given up on like being pretty or like getting a boyfriend or being friends with the, the cheerleaders or something. Right. I, w- I went to the robotics class and I was like the only girl there. Mm-hmm. Maybe one other, but like, like I have pictures from middle school of me just like other than my chest, like, like you wouldn't have known. Right. It's really funny to look back on because yeah. I think I had kind of given up on being beautiful and given up on being a girl but I didn't really know it yet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just sort of depressed and lost <laughs> yeah and then that's why realizing that I could be trans and realizing that I could 
pick a new name was was really powerful for me and really positive yeah. no it's so interesting that you said lost you were feeling lost mm-hmm. I mean that is what I'm kind of getting at is like what this podcast is about what I'm normally talking about is that kind of disorientation of a grief experience because suddenly your life is turned upside down because somebody died or what have you but it's almost like what I'm getting from you guys is it's almost a sort of an inverse experience of like feeling that loss throughout your life and then really finding something and going oh this feels good this feels right at the same time as you both expressed there are losses along the way you know and it's so interesting how you sort of have mirror opposite (laughs) experiences I guess my next question is just about losing that idea of yourself as female was there any I don't know I guess just straight up sadness as you were kind of making this big decision before you came out I guess is what I'm thinking about that period of kind of coming to it yourself and realizing like I'm going to do this was it 100% excitement or was there some kind of I'm sure there was some fear, but was there any kind of sadness that you felt around that? For me, it really wasn't, like, sadness. It was just a lot of, like, confusion. It's hard to... I mean, it's hard... Because it was during the pandemic. It was just, like, hard to think back on that time without thinking of just, like, a blur of, like, sitting in my room and failing classes. (laughs) Um, But... Because I don't like making rash decisions. So I wanted to be really sure of what was happening before I told anybody, which I don't think I totally succeeded in doing. I would have had to wait like two years. (laughs) And I'm, I as a person, I'm not very good at like just pushing stuff down, overlooking things. I have to kind of investigate. So the second I was like, oh, this is a possibility for me. It was always on my mind. I was like, anytime someone would call me she I was like okay turn back time what what would it feel like if I if someone if they'd call me they or if they'd call me he or all this stuff it was just like trying to parse through really trying to just figure it out Mm. and there was some room for excitement there and for like self-discovery which I definitely felt but there wasn't a ton of sadness Mm -hmm. there was a little bit of like loss of Mm -hmm. like yeah, just, like, loss of a little bit of identity of, like, everyone's always said that I'm a girl. If that's not true, what else isn't true? <laughs> or, like, <laughs> but it wasn't, it was never sad. Yeah. I think I can say the same. It was exhilarating figuring out that I could be trans. During quarantine, I spent a lot of time on YouTube just, like, watching vlogs from trans guys, like, talking about their experience. And I remember I cried a lot. But it wasn't sad, it was sort of just, like, relief, I think. Mm. Because I really just didn't know who I was. And it was kind of like a light in the dark. Like, I finally, like, grabbed onto it. And Mm -hmm. I had to, like, nurture it and figure out who I was. And I spent about eight months thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure my dad got a couple hints as, like, ninth grade started. And by that point, I was already binding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, Mm -hmm. um... I actually asked my dad to buy me a binder in December 2019, mm-hmm. like to keep my chest flat. Right. And I came out in September 2022 or 2020. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, like eight months later. So I think he already knew. Right, but right. It was really sweet, actually, because he bought several books about 
like having trans kids and watching people transition and I think he was like he was ready by the time I came out like mm. I walked into the dining room and I said hey um I want to have a different name how about Sean and he said as long as you spell it S-E-A-N <laughs> the Irish way and not S-H-A-U-N um so that went pretty quick that's awesome you know I do uh, a family support group for parents of of trans kids or non-binary kids and there's so much grief in those spaces you know and I think parents really do have to go through a process of accepting that they are sad because they want to be so supportive and they want to be so excited but it's kind of not acknowledging that there is a kind of a loss for a parent and it's weird because you're also so happy for your child who you now see is much happier than they've been for a while or you knew something was up but you didn't know what it was or whatever it is it's still so much about our ideas of who we are who we thought our kids were and why do we get so um, kind of attached to an expectation I don't know you know but I feel like that's a lot of what grief is is it's a loss of some expectation like we thought that person was going to be around a lot longer than they were or we thought you know we were going to have a baby or we thought you know it's it's a kind of a new landscape that you're in and you have to sort of adjust to it so I guess another question I have about loss or grief or what you felt like you were I mean we don't it doesn't have to all be about loss (laughs) also be about the gains but like what about like socially did you feel like there were um, unexpected changes in your social life around, you know, coming out. Me or Sean. Go ahead. So I've always mostly, like, been drawn towards being friends with guys. And there's something about being the one girl <laughs> in a group of guys. Like, it just feels like you know something that nobody else does. Like, you feel in the know. Like, they'll be talking about girls and stuff, and you're like... I know something you don't. I am something you covet in some sort of way. And it makes you feel kind of like interesting above them somehow. And like, there's a something about it. Mm. And I think transitioning, you don't entirely lose that because part of it is about like anatomy. But some of it is, I don't know, there's something about not being the only girl in a group of guys being like one of the guys (laughs) like actually for reals that's different it's very comfortable and I never got that with girls and I don't think that's a thing that's like yeah women are just not real with each other but I just never felt like I could be totally comfortable and like totally understood and understand girls the way that I feel like I sort of can with a group of guys but but that's all very like girls are like this guys are like that and it's all it's always more complicated than that but i'm just outlining general trends that i've noticed yeah i also have that alienation like i was i was more friends with guys and i never really felt very close to any girls except for this one childhood best friend i knew but Mm -hmm. other than her we didn't i didn't feel super connected to to girls Mm -hmm. um but then with the guys, it was it was weird because there's that alienation. And sometimes it's like, I feel funny saying this. It's like, I think at some point I thought I was like smarter than them or something. <laughs> or like being yeah. a girl, I know I know that they're being like 
a little bit sexist or something. It's like mm-hmm. I like I know, I know two languages, and I'm I'm speaking one, so, but I hear I hear you in another, and that is a very interesting experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely did get the the one of the guys feeling, and like while while I'm sure plenty of my guy friends had crushes on me in elementary and middle school because I was the only one who hung out with them because I was yeah. friends with like I was only friends with nerds right yeah <laughs> and awesome. um so <laughs> you can relate to that yeah. yeah I can't relate to them all having crushes on me well though. not all of them but like I had a couple really close friendships who probably didn't see me the same way I saw them for me it was a lot of admiration I wanted to be like the smart nerdy guy mm-hmm. and instead I was his friend Um, I mean, I think having that background insecurity as a pre-trans kid, I was both like a tomboy and one of the guys, but I was also sort of alienated by my peers. There was definitely a sense of detachment. Like, I always put a lot of value in being like the smart kid or the teacher's pet. Mm. But I never really was very popular. Like, even if people, like, thought I was smart, I wasn't, like, cool. (laughs) And I wasn't, like, pretty or anything, which was fine. Right. But my self-worth didn't really develop until I realized that I could transition. Yeah. And change who I wanted to be. Yeah. Do you guys notice any difference in the way that your teachers respond to you? Like, I don't know. I feel like there is a difference between how teachers treat girls and boys as like a a class of people Mm. i think so i think i would notice it even more with my peers actually like recently like this past year i've been i've been in group assignments with people i don't know very well and i noticed that like it's a group of half guys half girls the guys are just talking and they're just talking and they don't even have very good opinions but then the girl (laughs) i'm sitting next to she's trying to bring up a quote from the book we're analyzing and she's actually making a really good point (laughs) Mm -hmm. and no one is listening to her Mm. and i think as genderqueer people, we sort of walk the line in the middle. Yeah. And we can see the hypocrisy and the ignorance, but we don't always know how to be the negotiator for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not really your job. <laughs> yeah, but... I feel like also with group projects and stuff, you kind of don't expect the guys to do anything. Mm. Yeah. Or if they do, it's like adding a couple of words, and then they're like... Yeah, no, I helped. (laughs) Which, hey, we've all been there, but, um, yeah, I remember in, like, middle school being, like, not the smart girl, but a smart enough girl. Anytime I would get, like, put in any group, it was always with a bunch of guys who expected me to do all the work, and then I did, because I didn't want to fucking get a horrible grade. And then one time... I was with this group of guys, none of them, like, worse than usual, none of them did anything, I did everything, but it was very clear, like, we had to go up and present, and it was very clear that I was the only one doing anything, and they all got, like, a failing grade, and I got a passing grade. Yes. And they were all like, uh, do you want to do the retake? No, asshole! (laughs) I don't, and I don't think you do if I'm not doing all the work. Um, That's hilarious. (laughs) but (laughs) it's awesome yeah but if we're talking um teachers i think we have kind of different experiences because i for most of my 
time as a student, I have not passed as male at all. Still kind of don't. So most of my gendered um, experiences with teachers is just them misgendering me, which is fine because I get it a lot and I don't, like, I'm used to it. I don't, it doesn't bother me that much. But what does bother me is the reactions. But, yeah, it's just hard when there's that power imbalance to correct someone or to, like, it's like, if you're giving me a grade, do I want to be the, maybe I want to be the pretty girl in this class, (laughs) you know? Or Mm -hmm. if you are deciding who has authority, maybe I want to be the boy in this class, Mm -hmm. you know? But you kind of don't get that much control over how they perceive you. Yeah, definitely with the authority. Like I've said that I, I definitely gave up the the pretty girl thing because I just didn't think I could do it. But definitely being the tomboy, I had a lot of authority as a student, for lack of a better word. I feel like both being a rule follower and being kind of like tough and direct made it very easy for me to just... Maybe a lack of social awareness, too, on my part. <laughs> but like, but as, as a boyish girl, my intelligence was taken more seriously because the teachers could see also that I was one of the boys and that I was not interacting with the girls. And, they, and I feel like there's more respect for tomboys, not like, like in a sort of subliminal, like, like underlying bias that most people don't really think about or like yeah. check themselves on. But yeah. I think it was probably there in most of my teachers, mm-hmm. regardless of gender. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I have sort of a different experience because I don't know I think I didn't pay as much attention to like who has authority in the classroom who doesn't so I've always thought of like girls generally as better students uh, like actually like using their brains when they do stuff and boys as more slackers <laughs> in terms of classroom which is like not always true for sure but how I've experienced like throughout middle school and everything just like going around and reading people's essays and being able to tell that the girls sat down for a while and were like I'm gonna get this done and I if I'm gonna work on it to get it done I'm gonna actually make it a little bit good and more often the boys would be just kind of doing it (laughs) and if I'm being real I'm liking being a boy as a student. (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) I'm really loving the slacking off part. Um, So I just always felt like, yeah, girls are smarter. Sorry. I also... (laughs) Which is bullshit, but, you know. (laughs) Sorry. I think, like Scops was saying, as one of the girls, I was trained to be thoughtful and put in a lot of work for my assignments. And then as a boyish girl... I had a lot more authority. Mm. And so I had a pretty positive experience. Mm-hmm. So interesting. But just circling back to the idea of grief, knowing that, for instance, I had to sort of go through a grief when, after you came out. I mean, it took me a while, but I did. <laughs> and knowing your mom had to do that too, your other family members as well. Like, does that what is that experience like to have your family kind of sad about something you're really happy about while i was going through it it was very painful because i was going through a rebirth and my family my mom in particular i had Mm -hmm. the most trouble with her 
she was grieving my life because she lost the life that she thought she was going to see. Mm-hmm. And I was off making my own. It was very painful because every time I went to interact with her, went to go to her house, she would misgender me or call me by my birth name and then my mm, current name. Yeah. And there was a lot of pain because I felt like I wasn't being accepted for what I was trying to show. And it felt like my mom was sort of taking what I was trying to give her and just tossing it away. Mm. And that was an ongoing loss for at least a year. It was like really bad. Um, and then it got better and and you started to see more of me and I was more forgiving with her. Mm. As I started taking tea, I got more confident and I felt more secure going to her house and talking to her and everything. And I think as she's actually been able to see me transition, mm. she has been able to come to terms with the fact that she is not going to see her daughter grow up anymore and she's instead having me as her son. Mm-hmm. But I think most of the grief with my immediate family is past now. Yeah. Maybe maybe not past, but it's 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 been mostly resolved, I it's think. It's settled down. Settled down. Yeah. <laughs> it's a better way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Settled down. Mm. What about you? It's hard to say because I think during that time for me it wasn't I was really kind of entrenched in my own emotions and I think you and dad weren't really making it obvious Mm -hmm. how kind of difficult Mm -hmm. it is. I think that my experience with like navigating that change with you guys was more about teaching and like being like, this is what the word dysphoria means. This is, I want a binder. And then you being like, like for school, (laughs) three ring. (laughs) Like just like explaining myself. And I think that I could imagine that for a parent having that sort of stuff explained to you by like at that time a 13 and 14 year old and continuously learning from your kid who's like now 17 I would assume that it can kind of feel demeaning I guess because it's like I'm supposed to be teaching you everything Mm. how is it that I now I'm in a position where you have to teach me how to be okay yeah you know yeah and I could kind of feel just that there was like yeah. It was just an odd tension for a long time. Yeah. No, we had a couple moments there where I had to be like, okay, <laughs> I am the student in this yeah. situation. It's, like, it's a reversal. You have to like kind of yeah. pick yourself up and turn yourself around, and it's hard. Yeah. Is there a feeling at all of loss around security, safety and security in the world? I know when we drove across country, there was some anxiety because we were going through states where they've passed a lot of anti-trans laws etc yeah any i feelings about that as someone who was boyish enough as a girl that i passed before i even came out (laughs) i just in passing like well not to make a pun but (laughs) but like in short day-to-day interactions i feel very safe because i look like a young man Mm -hmm. And I am one, but you also kind of have to watch your back as a trans person a little bit. And as a trans man, like passing trans men have all of, I would say, pretty much all the benefits of just like interacting in public, like moving in public, that 
cis men do because cis men, it's hard to tell sometimes. Mm -hmm. But for example, in situations where you're going to the bathroom and you have to wait for a toilet because everyone else is taking a million years to shit. Mm. <laughs> like I have, I've had several like moments in public where I have to pretend I'm waiting to go to the toilet because I have right. to poop and instead I, I have to go pee and I, I can't just like use the urinal and get out of there. I have to like right. wait and pretend and like you got to worry about people listening to you pee on the toilet instead mm. of you see, seeing you by the urinal. Wow. Do I put the seat up? Do I, yeah, do I, put the seat up? <laughs> do I put the seat up when I leave or do I, what do I do? Yeah. I think as trans, trans men and trans masculine people, we have just an inherent safety because people don't really fuck with men as much. Mm. I know it's definitely different for trans, trans femme individuals, but yeah. if you pass as any kind of trans person, there's a layer of safety, but you also have to sort of make sure you keep the secret well if you don't think you're in a safe place, which yeah. is anxiety inducing and not very fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have a pretty, like, different experience because I don't pass that much. I think that I come off as, like, generally pretty androgynous. So it's hard, especially around bathrooms, because it's, like, I generally, since I got top surgery and since I started testosterone, I've been mostly using the men's bathroom. He's got a mustache. <laughs> Literally, no. Like, not even. You don't want to start shaving. It's so much work. It's a pain in the ass. Um, right. I think that there's, I don't really feel that layer of safety, I think, yeah, it's, I, I mean, the worst that it's been for me is a lot of weird looks, which is fine by me, as long as, like, that's the worst, but yeah, like, going through more conservative states and using the bathroom, knowing that it could be, um, like, against the law for me to do that <laughs> is hard, and I, I mean, in my life, I want to travel a lot. I tend to, I try and have a lot of respect and love for, like, everything. <laughs> and I, I've, I've wanted, I've always wanted to, like, do a road trip around the U.S. and, like, experience all the different pockets of culture that our country has to offer and experience humanity in that way of, like, meeting strangers at a dive bar and just getting to talking and just like learning about people in that way and going to different countries and it's that's something that I really deeply want to connect with my my humanity but it's hard as a trans person because a lot of people feel they have reason to hate me for absolutely for just like nothing <laughs> so it's like I want to put myself in situations where I can experience other people's lives and experience other people's stories, but if they hear a little bit of mine, I may be in total danger. So it feels sometimes like my trans identity is stopping me from... It's like it's a dehumanizing thing to be part of a marginalized <laughs> group, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a loss. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you guys. This has been such a cool conversation. I, my favorite people to talk to on this podcast are people your age, so I really appreciate it. I always learn so much. It's been really cool. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. A little outro. Outro. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The outro. Okay, quiet now. Everybody quiet. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please rate and review it, especially on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave a comment, you can go over to my Substack, which is called I'm Listening, and there's a link in the show notes. And lastly, I always like to thank Josephine Wiggs for the music. It's from her album, We Fall.